Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is dedicated to the life and memory of the destroyer, Dick Beyer. The name I was trying to think of was Ox Anderson. Ox Anderson was in the uh, Texas Territory, and we were sitting uh, in a in a room, and uh, I says, uh, Ox, uh, what is... They gave me a mask that was made from wool, wool, and uh, that was the first mask I had. And uh, I said, I says I couldn't breathe through it. I couldn't eat through it. Uh, I, I, I just couldn't handle the mask. I wore the mask the first match, and uh, then I said to him, I says, I says I can't wear this mask. And uh, Ox Anderson was there, and he threw me a mask across the room, and he says, uh, he says, Dick, try this one on. So I tried that mask on, and it fit perfect. And I says, well, what's it made out of? He says, it's made from a woman's girdle. I says, well, where do you get them? He says, well, you, you get the girdles at Woolworth's department store. So I went back to home, told my wife we're going to go shopping. And my wife was a pretty good seamstress. And uh, she she says, you're going to go shopping? You don't like to shop. Uh, one, of my, one, one of my worst evils was trying to go shopping and do buy something. But... Uh, we went shopping, and we went to the uh, lingerie department in Woolworths. And uh, I'm I'm drawing a crowd already in uh, Woolworths by trying on girdles over my head in a <laughs> in a lingerie department. So I uh, I put the put the mask on and or the girdle on. And uh, the uh, and I says this is too small. This one's too big. This is this that. And finally, I got one that fit a, a girdle that fit. And my wife uh, said to me, uh, "The uh, you." Uh, she said to me, "You're." Uh, I can, I can design. I can get a, a pencil, or uh, what they call a, a, a marker that they use in tailor. So she tailored, she tailored my face and put circles around my eyes and circles around my nose and circles around my mouth. And uh, went home, and she designed the mask as uh, the destroyer mask, which was white. And uh, all the girdles were white, and uh, I didn't want a a black one, Uh, although uh, later on I put a black one on as uh, Dr. X, but... That was the way the mask came out, was Ox Anderson gave me the mask, told me where to shop, uh, go to Woolworths, and uh, my wife uh, made the mask when we got home. She was perfect on it, She uh, and then we made different colors of the binding that went around the eyes. We had, I had black ones, I had blue ones, I had uh, green ones, and uh, so that's the way. The reason the mask became white was uh, my. Uh, they only, they only, they only sold in white. White girdles. Uh, 
So you're going to have to you have to ask some of the girls why the destroyer wore a white mask and not a black one. <laughs> What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Oh my God! This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the Prince of Pro Wrestling, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. This is Jimmy Van the Boogie Woogie Man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey everybody out there, this is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two men power trip of Get it rolling right here, right now. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today and powered by our buddies over at Eat Your Coffee. Head on over to eatyour.coffee and find out how you can energize the moment with every single bite of an Eat Your Coffee bar, as well as sponsored by the River City Wrestling Con on Saturday, June 29th, 2019 in Jacksonville, Florida at the Jacksonville Fairgrounds. Head on over to RiverCityWrestlingCon.com for more information. And it is with that River City Wrestling Con that we welcome in today's guest, the one and only Billy Gunn, joining the two-man power trip of wrestling, which, if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, as well as always joined on the two-man power trip by my partner, the one and only JP John Paz. Uh, I guess we're the two-man power trip tag team champions of the world. But we've got Billy Gunn here on the show today, uh, an interview that we have literally been trying to get for, I would say, the good part of four years on this show and doing this show week in and week out. Billy has always been somewhat of a conquest for us. Uh, we've been creative. We've tried every outlet to get him, and we are thrilled to have him on because we are the uh, perfect show to talk a little Billy Gunn because when you start to listen to this interview... There's one thing that you can tell, and that is we are Billy Gunn Marks on the two-man power trip. Now, John, let's get you in here now and talk a little bit about Billy Gunn. Obviously, this is a guy with a well-decorated career, uh, probably the most decorated tag team champion across uh, every 
iteration of his tag teams that he's ever been in. Whatever partner they paired him with, he was obviously uh, an absolutely integral part of their success. And uh, now also a newly minted WWE Hall of Famer going in with DX, which uh, we talk a lot about in the early part of this interview, but let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about Billy Gunn. I don't, uh, I'm not, we didn't even touch on his TNA time, which I know you love that, but let's talk about Billy Gunn, John, and what we have to look forward to in this interview with the one. So great to finally get him on. Think about it. We really have been trying to get him on basically for four years and 388 episodes. It actually took to get him on crazy mind boggling to think of, but we finally got him on. And like you said, we are huge fans of the badass Billy Gunn and, you know, talk about the hall of fame and talk about one of the greatest tag team wrestlers and talk about him having all those championships, 11 WWE tag team championships. What a career, what a run. And obviously a couple different partners love the smoking guns. Great team, obviously multiple time tag champs, new age outlaws, legendary tag team with the road dog, obviously multiple time champs. And then with, uh, Billy and Chuck, another awesome tag team. Kind of goes under the radar, underrated. Obviously, you add all those up. 11 WB Tag Team Championships. Amazing. What an amazing run he had. Like we talked about in the interview, we talked about him being a singles wrestler, or does he prefer being a tag wrestler? He goes into that pretty in-depth. He talks about how, why he likes tag team wrestling more and kind of what made him him so adaptable and so good to tag team wrestling because not everybody is a great tag team wrestler nowadays you'll see a lot of guys it's weird and it's hard to explain but they're almost wrestling singles matches in tag team form it doesn't make sense psychology is that not there it's just not good wrestling but go back and watch billy gunn he is a tag team wrestling master he knows what he's doing in the ring he knows how to incorporate all four guys he knows the psychology it takes and it's kind of almost a little bit old school, a little bit throwback to have that kind of tag team wrestling ability. And Billy Gunn really, really exemplifies a great tag team wrestler. And you say, oh, yeah, but, you know, he didn't have a great singles run. I did love his singles run. I felt like they could have done more with it. It could have gave him a little bit more of a push with it. But I guess they felt more comfortable and maybe he felt more comfortable in the tag team ranks. And, Chad, I know, speaking of a singles run, I know you're a big fan of when he was the one Billy Gunn. <laughs> I love me some one Billy Gunn. I don't know what it was that uh, I think it has to do with the theme. I did love the theme song and the sideburns and the way he looked. It was uh, so 2000 when you go back and look at it. And that was uh, something about the one Billy Gunn. Definitely love that uh, incarnation of the Billy Gunn character. But as funny as it is to talk about DX and talk about the outlaws, we didn't talk about the smoking guns and the smoking guns, albeit really, if you if you break it down like very, very tightly, only had a run in the WWF from 93 to about the midpoint of 96, but were like such a staple of that, like after the boom of tag teams in the WWF and kind of making their way into that attitude era almost where they had another boom of tag teams. But the Smoking Guns, I think, don't get a lot of credit for what they did. They were over as hell. You know, the the perfect mix of, uh, you know, the speed and kind of more the strength with Bart. And uh, we didn't really get a chance to talk about the Smoking Guns. And even though he's going in as a Hall of Famer with DX, I'm not going to say the Smoking Guns were a Hall of Fame tag team. But there's the argument for Billy Gunn to go in kind of on his own because, yes, he was a singles competitor. But that Smoking Guns run, I got to say, he... Uh, he was pretty damn charismatic when he was a uh, smoking gun. I do think that's a pretty underrated tag team just in the, in the grand scheme of things. Both big guys, both good workers, and just seemed to mesh well together. And they seemed to almost carry that division for a little bit when they kind of went through a little bit of a lull where their tag team division was struggling. I feel like smoking guns were kind of one of the stronger teams. Obviously, you know, you had the Quebecers in there, you had the head shrinkers, you had some good teams, heavenly bodies for a brief period there, the rock and roll for a brief period, money Inc. for a brief period. But I feel like the kind of the mainstay and the team that was kind of the constant, if you will, of that era was the smoking guns. And I always thought Billy was no offense to Bart. I always thought Billy was the, you know, the, the ace of that team, if you will, the, the better of the two, but you know, and kind of the more charismatic and kind of the one you saw going more places, but, that just uh, goes to show you why Billy Gunn is a WWE Hall of Famer. And 
we do talk about in this interview not only him going in the Hall of Fame, but we do talk about China going into the Hall of Fame as well, which I do think is a pretty interesting story there on China and great kind of insight of what he thinks about her. Yeah, he uh, he kind of came out in the media about a week before we did this interview and said, you know, had China not been included, he might not wanted to have attended this Hall of Fame, which I think everybody was kind of looking for him to say something about the AEW tie-in and him not attending the Hall of Fame, but it really was tied to China's inclusion in DX induction into the Hall of Fame and their careers being so close there towards the end, and they were always kind of linked in story like we talk about in the interview, but also kind of knowing some stuff going on behind the scenes. They were really tight, and while she was going through that later stuff with Triple H and Stephanie, Billy Gunn was kind of like the rock that she relied on, and Billy Gunn was there for her when a lot of people did kind of abandon China because when all that Triple H and Stephanie stuff went down, the whole locker room turned on China, and that was the end of her run uh, in the WWF and all that dirty stuff that came out afterwards. But Billy Gunn was really there for her, and their relationship was uh, was very strong. And, and those words uh, for China in this interview, and like he did in the interview prior doing ours, I think it's going to kind of echo throughout. And I, even though I, I feel WWE not being very genuine with China's inclusion into uh, this DX induction, uh, it's good to hear that somebody like Billy Gunn did have a genuine feeling about her being included. Yeah, I don't really care to you know think that, oh, maybe they're not as genuine. I'm just glad that uh, they threw her in there. Obviously, she should be. With, if you're going to put in DX, you kind of have to put her in there. But... Um, it is interesting, all the stuff that with Billy and her and how close they were and their relationship and all the stuff that he was talking about, obviously, before our interview about her. But even in our interview about her, it's great. And it's great to know that the friendship and the bond was there and they were so tight that he was even thinking about not doing the Hall of Fame if she wasn't involved. So that was pretty cool of her and pretty big of him. And you did mention AEW there and the ties and people thinking that maybe he wouldn't want to do the Hall of Fame because AEW which we do get into towards the end of the interview because it is interesting. He's the first agent, if you will, the first producer that they hired to bring on board. And I just think that, like we mentioned in the interview, great choice because you can't really, you know, with the amount of trainers, the amount of talent that's in there and, and the guys that are kind of quote unquote free agents out there, what kind of minds do you want to pick from? What guys do you want to, like, you know, kind of take their knowledge and, and help the guys of today and, and move wrestling forward, but also show that old schoolness and show the psychology where you're not really, you know, losing professional wrestling, so to speak. I know that everyone's trying to break off and, and get a little bit too sports entertaining, but you got to keep pro wrestling in it. And why not bring in one of the greatest trainers? And that is Billy Gunn, who is going to be the producer, agent, whatever you want to call him. But he's the first in line, and he's pretty much the top producer, the head agent for AEW. And I can't think of a better hire. Yeah, it was a great hire. And obviously the real first non-wrestler, uh, active wrestler to be hired uh, for behind the scenes when they uh, they launched and when they did the big press conference down there in Jacksonville, where the River City Wrestling Con will be taking place that's where Billy Gunn was uh, introduced by Cody. But before we wrap it up here and we do get into this interview, you heard off the top, you heard the dedication in this episode to the Destroyer, Dick Byer. Um, whether you've heard that interview or not in our archive, go back and listen to it. It is a time capsule to a lost generation of professional wrestling when it was a working man's uh, sport. And you get to hear stories from Japan. You get to hear stories from the territories. And you see that Dick Byer was literally larger than life when he was at his peak back in his day. And we dedicate this episode to his passing and thank him so much for coming on with us and really being one of the only interviews to be completed in the final years of his life, uh, being on with us in 2017. And we uh, we thank the family for helping, helping us coordinate that as well as to Mr. Byer himself and Godspeed and uh, please uh, be at rest. As well as after Billy Gunn, you're going to hear a tie-in to the Billy Gunn interview with Chuck Palumbo, who we had on way, way, way in our first year. And please excuse the uh, the Greenhorns doing the interview, because this was done in September 2015. 
and uh, absolutely uh, perfect tie-in for the Billy Gunn episode as we talk about Billy and Chuck, but we get it from the Chuck Palumbo point of view. So you get a little wrap-up in the Billy and Chuck storyline. You get both sides of the uh, spectrum here, and you get to hear all the uh, the inside stuff about one of the more infamous moments in WWE history. So let's get it on the road here now. Not only do we have this River City Wrestling Con on June 29th down there in Jacksonville, Florida. Again, visit RiverCityWrestlingCon.com for more information. We've got two huge shows coming your way in the next couple of weeks. The first being April 7th, the day of WrestleMania. Mark out at the Meadowlands. You can head over to MATMCon. Dot com for more information for the growing list of guests headlined by good old JR Jim Ross. We just also announced Missy Hyatt as well as Carly Perez, who uh, once was known as Maxine in the WWE, as well as Katrina in Lucha Underground. Uh, two great guests added to just an absolutely stellar list of talent at Markout at the Meadowlands. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a happening, as they say. And then a few weeks after that, down in Richmond, Virginia, at the Holiday Inn on Commerce Road. They call it Richmond South. TMPT Con 3, the 35th anniversary of Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express, comes to you with a full Jim Cornette experience, as well as meet and greet with three members of the Midnight Express that do not do signings like this very often. So this is your chance to meet Dennis Condry, Stan Lane, and Bobby Eaton all at once, as well as the Louisville Lip, who will not be very far away from these guys uh, in one big room down there in Richmond, Virginia. Head on over to our website, tmptofwrestling.com. You'll get the link to Brown Paper Tickets, where you can buy your Jim Cornette Experience tickets there, and uh, join us in Richmond if you can. I know a lot of people who listen to the show also listen to Cornette's show. He's been talking about it, and he will be uh, in full effect down there in Richmond on May 18th. And uh, make your plans to join us. So let's wrap it up here now. Let's hit you with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business. And strap in, folks, as we are getting ready for Mr. Ass himself, the one, Billy Gunn. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr. Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a former 11-time WWE World Tag Team Champion, a former WWE Intercontinental Champion, and now a WWE Hall of Famer, you may know him as Mr. Ass, the Ass Man, the one with a badass, but he is Billy Gunn. Please enjoy.
Now joining us on the line tonight is a newly minted WWE Hall of Famer, well-deserved by the way, a guy who's held so many championships throughout his professional wrestling career. Uh, the word honor would be what I'd use to say we're having him on here tonight, and we got to welcome in the one and only Billy Gunn, joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thank you so much for finally jumping on with us. Oh, no, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I don't... I don't. I'm, I think I should be the one that's honored to be on your show. I think. Oh my goodness! Uh, well, that's that's great. Now we would love to be up there with you for the Hall of Fame speech. So that's uh, that's <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Hell, there'll be four other guys. You might as well come up too. <laughs> it's going to be a packed stage, but it's also going to be a packed house at the River City Wrestling Con down there in beautiful Jacksonville, Florida, Saturday. June 29th, you're one of the first guests that's announced for this first ever wrestling convention down there in uh, beautiful northeastern Florida. So how does it feel to uh, really not have to go too far from home for you? You know, you're down there in Florida and you get to meet a lot of great fans. Yeah, it's amazing because I don't have to get on a plane. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've been on a plane like four days out of the week for the past 30 years. Uh, no, it'll be a lot of fun. I get, you know, we'll drive over, probably me and my wife and my son, Austin, we'll drive over, get to, you know, finally get to mingle with some Florida fans because I'm hardly ever in Florida. I really don't have a lot of work here. So I'm usually out all over every other place on the planet. So it'll be good. It'll be awesome. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm, you know, I'm a whole lot of fun to be around. I, I like to use the phrase hardest working man in show business because you literally. I mean, I swear, over the last few years, you have probably been the busiest wrestler. And I think, obviously, the era that we all now talk about and reflect upon, the Attitude Era, has a lot to do with it. But really, you are out on the road every single weekend, and it's a testament to uh, your long, great career. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean I'm, I'm actually blessed because, I mean, people are still excited to see me. I can still... You know, I, I, my work ethic, like working out in the gym is, is, you know, second to none hardly because I just, I love what I do. And this, I, you know, my working out is not a hobby. It's a lifestyle for me. And, and as long as I can, you know, as long as I can perform at a level that I'm happy with and I'm not, you know, dragging or hurting too bad, then I'll stay out there. I mean, yeah, it's coming to an end. I will admit that. But right now, I'm just having a bunch of fun. People are excited to see me. And yes, Attitude Air helped me out immensely. And so did, you know, being part of the New Age Outlaws and done and pretty much everything that I've done. So, I mean, people are excited. I'm excited. I'm still having fun. As long as I'm having fun, I'm going to do it. And look at you. I mean, this year alone, you've made two great, huge headlines. Obviously, joining up with AEW as the basically first hired non-wrestler uh, employee as an agent, but then also the WWE Hall of Fame. I mean, for, for that era, I mean, you guys, DX, you obviously you revolutionized uh, what we were watching at the time. But I got to say, again, you're always in the middle of a big story. So uh, how does it feel to finally uh, get up there on the stage with the Hall of Fame? <laughs> I know. That's, like, weird to me. It's, like, super weird. Um no, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great to be around all those guys. You know, just I wish China was there, but it, she'll be there in spirit. She'll be in my, you know, I'll probably wear my little China shirt underneath my tuxedo. Um, but um, it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome for the fans, and it's going to be awesome for us because, because, you know, it just solidifies what we did in this business. Yeah, you're right. What we were really doing just to do stuff to have fun but it actually turned into being something that was awesome. And obviously they're putting us in the hall of fame. So that's cool too. That's really cool. For those of them, or for those of the fans that don't remember the new age outlaws were satellite members of DX for a little while, but it was almost like it was the perfect fit at that time in late 97, early 98, when you guys finally were put with the group right after WrestleMania 14. But at the time when you were kind of getting into that new age outlaws groove, I mean, did you think Hall of Famer? Did you think that you guys were putting something special together that you'd be enshrined in a Hall of Fame one day? No, I really didn't. It wasn't, you know, I never got in the business to do that. I never, I just got in because it was, somebody was going to give me a platform where I could go act like an idiot. <laughs> and, be, <laughs> and just be silly and goofy and do, and just, you know, 
and have people that actually will pay attention to me when I'm doing these things. But no, you know, me and Brian in our own right, the new age outlaws, we were, we were skyrocketing at the point and the point in our career when they start and when they put us with DX, it was just a natural fit because we were running neck and neck. Hunter needed some guys that, you know, that would fit that mold and we fit the mold perfectly. And obviously because now we're going in the hall of fame, but you know what? It's, it's cool to go. It's cool to be acknowledged for what we did and to go with all those guys is going to be really good. The whole group, especially China, and obviously that's been such a, a bone of contention for a lot of fans that China, you know, may or may not have been being included, but the fact she was is huge news. And you recently said that you were, uh, you know, you were really thrilled to see that. And uh, I, I got to be honest with you, it's really cool that the whole group is going in as one. And I guess that even includes Shawn Michaels, who, as funny as it is, you guys superseded what that original DX did. I mean, you guys were on posters, you were T-shirts, you were everything. When the, the original, the three of them, I mean, it was like a blip on the radar compared to what you guys did. Yeah, I mean, but they set the tone. I mean, you can't, you know, as much as I'd like to say, yeah, I say it all the time, and I think Brian does too, that they didn't weren't really good until we got with them. <laughs> but, but, but it was, all, you know, it was an all-around effort. And, yeah, I, I don't, you know... I, I've said this in a couple of interviews and I don't think that I would have win if they, there's no way that you can put DX in and not put her and put China in with them. There's just no way. One, there would have been a riot. I'm sure because, and yes, I understand people want her to go by herself and eventually she will, because I feel that this will open the door for that, but let's just be happy that she's going and that she's going with a, a group that really, that really put her on the map. Yes, she did some great stuff by herself, and she was probably the greatest female entertainer that we will ever see. And but yeah, I don't. I just I've said it before. I I don't think I would win if they wouldn't have put her in there. There's no. There, you just. I look at it and I go, there's no way. You just can't do that. And I'm glad they did. So I don't have to think about that, nor do we have to worry about that because she's going to and it's going to be cool. And we think about we think about tag team partners yours. Obviously, we think about Bart. Obviously, we think about Billy and Chuck, Chuck Palumbo. We think about the Road Dog. But let's not discount China. You guys teamed a lot over a couple different spans of either it was DX or when you guys were both solo and brought back together. You and China teamed a lot more than I think a lot of people realize. Yeah, we did. We did a lot of cool stuff together. I mean, we wore the same outfits. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we did a lot of stuff together. And it was a lot of fun because she was, like I said, she was one of my best friends in the business. And, you know, it's it was great to do stuff with her, whether we were arguing or working together. One of the two. It was always good. Speaking of great teams, and obviously talking about the Road Dog, let's talk about that chemistry and that pairing. Because at first, you know, you put Billy Gunn and him together, who were feuding at one point. You weren't sure how they were going to work together. Did you know right away you guys would have this great chemistry? No, we didn't. Like, like singles, and uh, yeah, because a lot of people don't realize that me and him were working each other the opening match on every house show that WWE ever had. Um, no, the chemistry we never had separate. Like when we would work each other, I mean, you know, because Brian's good in his own right, and I'm better than he is. So I mean, putting those two together, um, <laughs> he's not here, so I get to, so I get to put myself over. Um, no, I mean, just working each other. It was it was simple. It was easy. We didn't have to do anything spectacular because nobody wanted to see us anyway. But um, but the minute, and I mean, it was the weirdest thing ever. The second that they put us together, it was just like. It was like all these planets and stars and moon and earth all aligned and went, you two have something special. And it was, and it was, it was like, I, I've been trying to figure out a way to explain it, but I can't. It was just, I knew what he was doing. I knew what he was thinking on the same end. It was the same way with him. It was two, it was two so opposite guys. But when you put us together, it was just unbelievable magic. It really was. And, and there's no other way to explain it than things were just right. Things were always right with us. We never argued. We never got in a fight. We never, you know, never bickered about anything. We all knew, we knew what he was good at, and I knew what I was good at. And we just combined them and just went, hey, let's go have some fun. And that's what we did. And, and obviously, it worked out pretty good. <laughs> 
Absolutely. And then uh, the attitude error is perfect because the road dog can really kind of be the road dog and badass. Billy Gunn can really be badass Billy Gunn. You guys basically used the Legion of Doom kind of as your stepping stone. When you guys beat them, I feel like even the crowd is like, oh my God, now everyone's starting to pay more attention to you. You feel like at that moment you guys beat LOD, eventually you guys throw them through the table as well, win the tag titles. Do you feel like that was a big turning point in your career? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. That and, and the dumpster match and the, the stuff with um, Jack and Terry Funk. Um, yeah, LOD did it first. They came back. They had a run. They, you know, they, they did what they came back to do, and that was to help push us. The same as what we did when we came back with the Usos a couple of years ago. We came back. We won the tag championships again and then moved the Usos up the ladder. I'm not saying we're taking all the credit for their success now, but we did – put them on the train that headed them up the hill instead of down the hill. So I feel that's, you know, good people and good people in this business will do that. If you're any good or have a good name, you come in and you help kids that are trying to do something and you try to push them up the, um, you just push them up the ladder. And that's what LOD did for us. That's what we did for the Usos. And, and yes, it, they did an awesome job at it. It perfectly said. I mean, you you put them over, obviously, you know, LOD. It's kind of like a cycle. You, know, you help the younger guys, and kind of goes along. And as long as they're good enough, they're going to get over. And obviously, speaking back to DX and, and the way Jalos, you guys were good enough to get over and stay over. And I do. I you mentioned the dumpster match. I love that match. Thinking about it, so different and so crazy, yet it just worked perfectly with the Attitude Era in WrestleMania at that point, right? It did, and it was it was something that just fit. It, it like fit all four guys. Like it wasn't like something that was totally out, out in left field for the new age outlaws. And it wasn't something that was totally out in left field for uh, Nick and Terry. So, I mean, it all, it all coincided. Yes. It all just came aligned up. Right. It was just what we did where we were going with our characters and team where they were going and what they were known for. And you just put it all together and it worked great. It really did. And they were awesome to work with. I feel like X-Pac kind of goes almost under the radar and underrated sometimes. People don't realize him leaving WCW from the NWO and coming over to DX and, and WWF at that point. That was a real turning point. Did you feel at that point the momentum was completely shifting towards the WWF? Because pretty much that moment on, obviously Steve Austin played a role in as well, but DX they I mean, really kind of helped carry WWF to that next level. Yeah, and I think it was that and when we invaded – you know, when we went to WCW, yes. that was it. That put the that put the that put the final nail in the coffin, buddy. Mm -hmm. um, because it was just and nobody and I don't feel like anybody else could have done that. Like it was so it was so made for DX just to go up in there and totally cause havoc. And we were just having some fun, and it turned out to be one of the greatest moments ever in wrestling. So yeah. Kid had a big part, and yes, he is very underrated because he's a, a he's awesome in the ring. He's awesome out of the ring. He fit DX perfectly. I mean, that was a good thing about what we did too. Is we didn't let anybody else in. They tried to stick some other people in there, but we just put the brakes on it because. Uh, and I'm not comparing that to NWO because they let everybody that was in WCW at one time or another into <laughs> NWO. <laughs> which when they had just the three of them, it was great chemistry. When they, when they just had them, it was good. When you start adding all those elements, it's like, oh, they're over. So we all want to be a part of that. So, but we never let that, never let that happen. And that was on Hunter, you know, not letting that happen. So we didn't have much say so, but you know, once you start filtering all those guys in, it loses its thing. It loses its, its greatness. It loses its, it loses its spice about what's going on with the with the with the group. Now, with that WCW invasion, was there ever any sort of threat or anything like that they were going to do something to you guys to try to get you guys back, or that there might be a big fight to outbreak, or is that kind of overblown? No, never. Just they literally, they literally just hung their heads and just went, "Yep, we lost, we lose," because that there is you couldn't come over the top with anything over that. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of one of those shots that you fire and you'll never find it again. So no matter what they would have done, we did it first. So anything other than them trying to come, it, it would be like so watered down because they didn't think of it first. And we did. And we just had the, the, 
cojones to go do it, and it and it worked out perfectly. You know, it's interesting too. I don't think that they would probably have wanted to fight you of all people. They might have been, you know, some of their guys might have been a little weary. I always find this weird about you. They always said you're about six three, six four, but you're actually way bigger in person. I'd say six five or six six. Why is that? <laughs> some guys like Hogan, they would say six eight or six nine. He's really, you know, six five or six six. Some guys they say taller. How come they don't really notice? I mean, massive, massive guy. I mean, what six five, six six? How come they always kind of downplay that? You know what? I don't know because I just, you know, I never worked like that. Like most guys that are that big, they work like work as big guys and they don't really do that much. But, you know, Brian and surprisingly, Brian's almost as tall as I am. Like Brian's just like an inch shorter than I am. So, I mean, we were we always just moved so well and worked with everybody so good that our size always went unnoticed because I swear everybody that meets me goes, Oh my God, how big are you? I go, I no, I've been the same size for a long time now, but until you stand next to me, you don't really notice how big I am because on TV, I, the way we work and stuff was never big. So we, people never took us as big guys. And I was at a, a, um, years ago, I just, I mean, I always thought you were big, but I was at a TNA house show and they were saying Abyss was six, six or whatever they were saying. You were bigger than Abyss. I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) If a fish is that big, he's got to be like six eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they, yeah. People are always astonished about how big I am and tall and big, and so I mean, that's just what it is. That's what it is. That show is funny for two reasons. You might even remember it because that's one where you guys had to go home quick because the fans started throwing chairs in the ring, and you guys got the hell out of the ring pretty damn quick. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a crazy night. You and it was you and the uh, in the Dudleys. You fought in the crowd, and what John's kind of alluding to, you came by us, and I mean, you turn you turn around. Your your chest looked like a billboard compared to <laughs> where the you know the side. Like I'm only five seven, so next to me, anything is uh, is pretty damn big. But that show specifically, uh, you nailed Bubba. Bubba falls down. Bubba hits me straight in the nuts. Okay, and you guys just carried on your business as I was you know writhing in pain. But the chairs in the ring, that was a, that was a nuts. That, that scene was crazy. Yeah. yeah, that was, yeah, we had to go then. That, that, that was too much. Like, I don't care what people do, but start throwing stuff at me, I got to go. <laughs> before, me in the eye or something and put my eye out permanently, I'd be, I'd be in big trouble. Now, before I hand it back to John and we get into the, uh, the wind-down portion of the interview and talk about River City Wrestling Con one more time, I, I got to mention this, and I don't use the word Mark very often, but I am a mark for the one Billy Gunn. I don't know what it is about that persona, that that take on on the Billy Gunn uh, character. We went, we were at a show in 2004, and you you opened up the show. They hit your music. It was Atlantic City, New Jersey. They went ape shit when your music hit. It was something about the one Billy Gunn. Did you have fun transitioning from Mister Ass into the One during that era? <laughs> It was just something we were trying. I didn't hate it, but it just was like it just seemed like I was too blue, like I was too preppy. Like I didn't that just didn't fit me all that well. But you know, it wasn't bad. I mean, it was just. I think that the the badass Billy Gunn character was so strong, no matter what I did, and the New Age Outlaw stuff. It always wrapped back to that. It just did. I just. You know, no matter where we tried to go or repackage or do something else, that that character was super strong. So, I mean, they, people always wanted to see that. But you got to admit that one theme music was pretty damn good. And I think that's what kind of got everybody sold. I always had some pretty good music. But that's one thing that never lacked with me is bad music. Always. You're right. Always. Had the Mr. Ass. Did you enjoy the the Mr. Ass song where they had all the you know what you're gonna do to the ass? <laughs> you, know what, you know what's funny is I didn't even know what the like when they played it for me. I just listened to the the beat and the tune to see if I can do something with it. It has to do something inside of me for me to dig it. I never really listened to the lyrics for the first three years I had it. I don't think. And then all of a sudden, people were going, have you ever heard what that says? And I go, no, why? <laughs> what does it say? <laughs> and then I then I actually listened to it and I go, oh, well, I don't know if I do all that to them or not. <laughs> I, don't, 
it, it was pretty funny though. Like people always, do you know the? Li-? I go, no, I don't know the lyrics to that song. Should I? And they go, well, you might want to listen to it. <laughs> now, do you prefer singles or tag? Because obviously, Smoking Guns, New Age Outlaws, Billy and Chuck, so many synonymous tag teams, eleven-time tag team champions, so many great tag teams. Were you in favor of singles or tag? Yeah, no, I'm always, I'm a tag guy. I just never could get into that single stuff. I mean, I gave it a run just because they wanted me to, but I just, you know, there was just something about everything that's going on. It's way busier for me and it's way better because I like, I'm, I like a bunch of things going on because my ADD, <laughs> I like things happening all the time that are super exciting. I feel that sometimes singles have low points and like if you're in a good tag, you never have those points. So I think, I think being as I started out as a tag and then had so much success in tag, I never really fully got into the single stuff. 11-time tag team champion. I mean, that's uh, pretty, pretty crazy if you, if you think about it, right? In, in the, lore, yeah. you know, the lore of history and looking at all those great teams, I mean, 11-time champs, uh, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, that's not, it's not, it's not too shabby, is it? <laughs> like, <laughs> Like and have three different partners doing it, so I mean that's that's kind of pretty cool in itself. I know a couple guys that have been together for a long time have had some, like the Dudleys and stuff, but they've never had multiple partners. I've literally almost every partner I've had, if I have any time with them, we become tag champs. So I mean that's kind of cool. Now, what do you think that kind of says about you that you're helping that guy get over? That you kind of mesh with everybody, you can adapt, you have good chemistry. What is you know? What do you think that says about a Billy Gunn? You know, I I don't know what it says, but I just feel that I've been very lucky and had great partners. I don't I don't. Yeah, the common denominator is me, but I just feel like when when like with me and Bart was super special. With the New Age Outlaws was super special, and me and Chuck was super special. But really, things don't happen for me if I don't have those guys. I mean, I feel like. Maybe I'm downplaying a little bit, but I don't. This is how I feel. I feel feel that without great partners, there is no me. So I've literally I owe everything to those partners that I've had. Also, not just it's not just me doing everything, but it's just I've just been super lucky and had some great partners to work with. And as we start to wind it down, I just got to ask you about Billy and Chuck because. At that point, now you know nowadays probably wouldn't be as controversial ever. But at that point, in, in the mid two thousand, Billy and Chuck was very controversial because there was some comedy mixed in. But obviously, you know, they're kind of alluding to you guys being gay, and giving each other gifts. Yeah. Stuff. Did you have any problems like doing that gimmick, or were you thinking like this is hilarious, this is funny, I love it? Never. Like I, we like when they came to it. See, it was supposed to be something totally different than what it turned out to be. But then once they saw me and Chuck together, kind of just really having fun and playing in this. And, and mind you, this was at a time in my career where I was getting stale, like not stale, but it was kind of what else do I do? Like, what else is there for me to do? So playing this kind of character was was one. It was going to test us. It was going to test me and Chuck to see if we could pull it off, if people were going to buy this and. And it was a lot of fun. We just, because me and Chuck talked about it way before they even thought about doing a lot of this stuff, because it can't just be me on board and Chuck not, or Chuck on board and me not. We both had to be on board because, yeah, we weren't going to do anything that was out of our realm, but we did some pretty risky innuendo stuff. Like, (coughs) sorry, like the swimsuit thing we did with the girls was absolutely hilarious. And I think that, Like, yeah, at the time, but the people bought it hook, line, and sinker. Like, they literally, like, the minute we did it, everybody went, I knew it. I knew you guys were gay. I knew it from the start. <laughs> and it, and it, goes, it just goes to show you how, how like, I want to say how good we are. <laughs> like, in a sense, because we played characters that we're not even close to, but we have no problem with. But we made people believe that we were totally into this. And it was a lot. And people always say, well, what about the Chuck? It was awesome. And it was a lot of fun because we had a lot of fun. Me and Chuck had a lot of fun doing this. It really was a blast. And that, that wedding on SmackDown, I mean, that got great ratings. It got so much uh, publicity from even oh, yeah. you know, normal outlets and stuff, right? I mean, everybody was all over that wedding. 
Yeah, even when we started, I mean, literally when we did the, like when Chuck asked me to be his life partner on TV, literally we had to go downtown. Vince McMahon handed us a credit because we were going home. Like we didn't know anything about this. So we were all scheduled to go home. They literally, every every TV outlet, net, I mean, we did Good Morning America. We were in Life Magazine. We did Howard Stern. We did literally everything and had no clothes. So Vince gave one of the agents said, hey, take them downtown, buy them whatever they want, and then make sure that they make all these TV appearances. We, ESPN, we did it all. I mean, literally the next day we were on every platform from 5 o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock that night. So good. And the execution was great, obviously, with Bischoff and three-minute warning. Yeah, just, yeah, the wedding, yeah, that whole thing was so good. It was, it was, everything was set up really good. Now, do you have, I know this is hard to say because you've been around forever. I mean, I have so many good matches. I mean, and all these great tag partners. But do you have some favorite matches that maybe we haven't touched upon, not WrestleMania 14, not against LD, maybe some other favorite matches that we maybe wouldn't even think of? Not really. I mean, the, my the best, I, I think we t- touched on it, was the dumpster match. I think that's the, that when people ask me what my favorite one, that has to be it because that literally put me and Brian on the map. That let everybody know that we were there and we were staying and we were really good. So, I mean, I don't like, I don't, I don't really look back on what matches were great and stuff. It's just that one always sticks out in my head. So I got to say that one. Such a great match. And now obviously you have a huge role with AEW and producer, Mm -hmm. technically the first one or agent, whatever you want, you're kind of the first one. And, you know, it's kind of a big deal because AEW is going to be huge. I don't know if everyone realizes, I think they they kind of do, but I mean, this is going to be huge. And I wouldn't say it's necessarily competition for WWE, but I mean, right, this is going to be a big time promotion. You honored to be the first producer? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So they call me head coach because we're trying to get away from what, you know, WWE uses. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm pretty much head of talent because, you know, a lot of these talented, a lot of these kids haven't really done live TV or haven't done TV. So they're going to need some guidance and, and stuff. So that's where I come in. And it's going to be awesome. I mean, it's you have some of the most, some of the greatest talent on planet Earth that's ever laced up a pair of boots that's in it. And it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Like, I, I just can't wait for it to get going and for people to start getting into it and, and realize what how good this is actually going to be. And it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be refreshing. And they can't pick a better guy I mean, with, with any more experience than to help these guys out, right? Oh, well, <laughs> they probably could, but I'm glad they didn't look any further than me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's some guys out there that are qualified but i'm glad they picked me because i'm you know at this point in my career i'm just super i'm super excited that they wanted me i'm you know they came after me pretty hard and they didn't have to come after me pretty hard i'd have went easily um but just to just you know to know that i'm a part of something that's going to be great that's going to be around for a long time and i'm at the the front part of it is is really nice you see how pro Billy Gunn we are on this show you see how much we love you <laughs> we've, been, we've been singing your praises all night <laughs> and I appreciate it. Yeah, so, and speaking of Jacksonville, that's where AEW, obviously, you guys had the big kickoff, but we want to bring it back to the River City Wrestling Con. It's Saturday, June 29th, and the website address is rivercitywrestlingcon.com. It's, uh, it's got a hell of a guest list so far. Obviously, Billy Gunn, Rocky Johnson was just announced, Jake the Snake Roberts, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, so many more to come and obviously as us doing shows on our you know on ourselves in the east coast we want people in jacksonville to experience this river city wrestling con and have an amazing time but billy as we wrap it up here we like to uh, kind of close it out by uh saying when you look at your career and obviously you're doing a lot of great things now aew ww hall of fame what do you want the fans to remember about your career when the book is finally closed i know you said it's almost done but when the book's finally closed what do you want the fans to remember that they always had a good experience, that they were always happy to see me or they, you know, that I was always very professional and I was a lot of fun to be around that. I don't want ever want anybody, any fan or anybody in general to say, gosh, he's an asshole. <laughs> like that's really all I don't, you know, I'm okay. If they don't think I'm the greatest wrestler, I'm okay. If they don't think I was the greatest entertainer, but I just want to be known as a good person. That's really it.
And even though you love asses and you love to float them and love to float them, love to kick them, you know, you're not going to be known as an asshole. That's for damn sure. I've heard a lot of great stuff about you, um, what you've done for a lot of guys. So that's really cool. But Billy, before we let you go, please share with the fans where they can find anything and everything going on in the very busy world of newly minted WWE Hall of Famer Billy Gunn. Yeah, you can catch me on Twitter or Instagram. I post a lot of stuff. I'm hosting a party. Well, my wife is actually um, hosting a party. I'm hosting it and being there, but she's putting it all together because she's super great at that stuff. But Friday night, that Friday night of WrestleMania, it's Legends Bar. Um, You can go to um, maniaparty.com. It's badass mania party. Um, I'll have a bunch. It's the girls are going to be there, Angel and Velvet. So the beautiful people reunite. Um, Bully Ray, Shannon Moore, James Storm, Austin. My son will be there. It's going to be a lot of fun if they're if if you're looking for something to do on Friday night, which everybody is. Everybody come to this party. It's at Legends Bar in New York, and it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be a lot of fun. But yeah, at Real Billy Gun Twitter and Instagram, I post stuff in the gym with me and Austin and stuff, and most of my stuff goes on there. Awesome. That's where most people find out. Yeah, very nice. Billy, we appreciate it a lot. And obviously, uh, best of luck. Congratulations. And uh, hopefully we catch you again down the road. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And thanks for all the good things you said about me. I'm going to have to come on here more often if I feel down about myself. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. Hey, let's pause for one second and remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Eat Your Coffee is a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students that pioneered a new category in caffeinated natural snacks. The company's first product line, Eat Your Coffee Bars, are a date-based snack bar caffeinated with fair trade coffee, which would be comparable to one cup, and made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee snack bars are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, 70% organic, and available in three delicious flavors, including fudgy mocha latte, salted caramel macchiato, and peanut butter mocha, my personal favorite. Now that is an energizing combination because they are on a mission to help get people energized with naturally caffeinated snacks made with real, ethically sourced ingredients. So if you want more information, head on over to www.eatyour.coffee, as well as follow them on Instagram, follow them on Facebook, follow them on Pinterest, and follow them on Twitter, and get all the information on how you can energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee Bars. Never change. It doesn't matter if it lasts 50 years, 16 months, or three minutes. minutes. What? Did I just hear myself say three minutes? What the hell? armchair quarterback wrestling moments of, uh, you know, basically all time where what should they have done with the acquisition of WCW? But obviously as somebody coming in and being a talent that, you know, was brought on to the WWF, you know, side of business, uh, did you have that feeling right out of the gate that they weren't going to do much after the initial uh, bring-in? And, you know, was that something that was a little frustrating, all the WCW guys? You know, uh, looking back now, yeah, I guess it was probably frustrating. But at the time, I had only been in the business for maybe three years, so I was so naive. 
I was just going, hey, man, I can't wait till I get to WWF and this is going to be great. You know what I mean? Because I figured it was legit. I figured we're coming over and they're going to do something with the talent. Um, I just kept busy. I, I kept working in Mexico. I, I would call JR and check in with him once a week, say, hey, JR, I'm going to go work in Mexico City or where, where, where have you. And, and uh, he said, yeah, no problem. Go ahead, go for it, man. And it was all good. If I did an indie shot in the States, I'd call him and tell him I was doing that. But because um, I thought I was just waiting to get picked up over there, you know. Uh, but, and again, for me personally, I, I guess it was okay. You know, I, I did get to come over right away and do something. For a lot of the other guys, uh, they didn't get the opportunity. So, you know, I'm sure they have a, a different opinion, you know. Right, yeah, and I and I gotta say, you you actually, you know, from the alliance and the invasion led to, you know, maybe what the uh, the fan base might remember you most for, and that is what led to Billy and Chuck that you were paired up with Billy Gunn, who was a long-standing WWF veteran at that time. And uh, I gotta say, you know, we're we're gonna go there because we have to ask. It's uh, a moment that at this point has become quite legendary, and that is the infamous wedding angle. Teaming with Billy yeah. Gunn on SmackDown with Eric Bischoff, the uh, formerly mentioned Eric Bischoff. What was it like teaming with Billy Gunn, and was that always the end game from the start of the angle? Yeah, you know something? Who thought that, well, I never thought personally that I would be remembered in wrestling. My mark in wrestling would have been made as being uh, part of an ambiguously gay duo. But... <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you, man. And I, what you know, I I I think, hey, you know, whatever. I made my best money that I ever made in the industry when that angle was going on. Number one. Number two, I had the most fun I ever had. Aside from my early days in WCW, I had my most fun in WWF slash WWE while I did that character, and it was the easiest thing to do. You know, as long as you you know. You, a lot of guys take that wrestling business too personal. We call it, you know, sometimes living the gimmick or believing in the gimmick or, you know, believing the hype of the gimmick. You can't get that serious about it. You know what I mean? It, it, it's a job. You're pretty much a type. You know, I'm not saying we're great actors, but you're basically acting a part. you got to have fun with it. You know what I mean? And, and, and that's what I tried to do. I tried to embrace it and have fun with it. And, you know, I'm working with Billy Gunn, who's, you know, had an incredible career up until that point. Uh, great worker, great veteran. I learned so much from him. But to answer that question, yes, that gimmick was booked out to finish around, number one, ratings week, which was, number two, the wedding. You know what I mean? They were trying to right. Vince wanted He wanted a big number during ratings week, cable network ratings week. And we did it. We knocked him out. We are number one. And that's where yeah. ultimately that's that's how he timed it, and that's what happened. And uh, I knew that going into it, and I said, "Hey, listen, this is what this guy wants. And he's paying me to do it. Let's give him the best billion truck that we can give him." You know? No, that's great. And you had a WrestleMania, and you guys had a, a run with the tag title. So, you know, definitely, uh, you know, if you look at it on paper, a huge success. But just that night on SmackDown will always be remembered: the Eric Bischoff role in the whole thing, and then uh, you know, feuding with Three Minute Warning afterwards. Just something that, looking back at the time, I think everybody was like, wow, this is a little out there. But looking back, it's one of the best moments of that post-Monday you know, Monday Night War era. And, yeah. of course, I'll always remember Chuck Palumbo being a part of it. Now, let's get through your, the rest of your WWE time. Uh, you know, you repackaged a few different times. Uh, most recently, your last run there, where you did have, you know, more of the biker gimmick, you know, like, uh, you know, you know, we've heard you're, you're good friends with The Undertaker, but having the biker gimmick being so closely associated to something that you have a passion for, did that make it easy to go to work every week where you actually could really enjoy being yourself on television? Um, you know, that's, that's a good question. Yes and no. In the beginning, yes. I mean, they gave me a little push with the biker gimmick. I mean, I had been into the car and motorcycle thing since I was a kid. I was kind of born into it, so it was nice to be able to do a little bit of that and kind of show the wrestling fans, a little bit of what I really was outside of wrestling. But the problem with that whole deal was it never really happened properly. And, you know, right away I got thrown into an angle where, you know, I was, uh, the character was getting aggressive with women with that, that whole angle with, uh, uh, can't even remember his name. Um, 
Noble and then uh, McCool and that whole thing. I just felt like it just eh, it was distasteful, uh, especially for uh, you know the younger uh, the younger generation of wrestling fans. You don't want to you know you don't want kids turning on the TV and seeing a, a six foot five. 300 pound biker, you know, throwing back elbows at chicks. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not good. You know what I mean? So, it's just not. So I, I wish they they could have did something a little differently. But you know, hey, it's the business. They paid me, and I did what they asked me to do. You know. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.